0: Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real Life Messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper
1: and subtle deception are are Satan's lies. If you have an issue, you're on your own, man, I'll tell you. And devils love that because if they get you believing that, that you're on your own if you have an issue, that lie will breed fear, it'll breed self-pity, and all sorts of bad stuff, and devils love that, and that's what devils are about, they are about lies. In each of those messages, and we've had nine thus far, I said that whatever devils do, and don't give Satan too much credit, folks, please, They lie. That's their number one deal. And that's John 8, 44. You've heard this lots in this series. Speaking of Satan, Jesus says, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. Satan will never speak a truth. There is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But today, this is part 10 of this series, and we're going to look at the lie of entitlement. Now, that's a good word, entitlement. I'm entitled. I deserve. Another way to put it is this, that man is basically good. Man is inherently good, and therefore, man is entitled to all the good stuff he gets. And when you have this entitlement mentality, we need to ask these questions. What does that do to Thanksgiving? We hear this all the time in labor management negotiations. We deserve this. And so I ask myself a question. Why? Why do you deserve this? We deserve this. I hear this all the time. You know, after all I've done for you, I deserve better. And you probably do. You really probably do, see. And all this comes from a view of man that says people are inherently good. The lie of entitlement or the lie of I deserve is the lie that people are inherently good and really do deserve. And that's why I want to start in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And we're going to see about a guy who believed the lie of entitlement. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 17. And this is in the NIV. It's entitled a rich young man. The Bible doesn't say anything about him being young, but it's called the rich young man. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his face so his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, this guy runs up to him, falls on his knees and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Let me read the rest. Why do you call me good, Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, don't murder, don't, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't, 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 don't give false testimony, don't defraud. Honor your mom and dad. Teacher, he declared with frustration, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And then Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will receive treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. And at that, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. And so to me, this guy seemed to be very sensitive. So I'm reading stuff into this. I'll grant you that. But I can see this guy paying somebody's taxes because he had a few bucks. If somebody couldn't pay their tax, they're about to lose their property, you know, he'd pay it off. I can see him lending. Not lending, but actually giving to the poor. And I can see people saying to him, oh, you are such a good man. You, you, You deserve everything you have. You are such a good man. And when Jesus explained the commandments to him, what did he say? He said, all these I have kept. And I believe he said that out of sheer frustration, so now he comes to Jesus, you know, and he, he, now consider, he had done his level best to obey God's laws, all these I have kept, see, he probably tried to be generous, I'm reading that into him, and help other people, and I'm guessing too that bunches of people told him what a good man he was, and that he deserved everything he had, but something, see, inside this guy... Wouldn't let him accept that. See, he's saying to himself, the lie is people are inherently good. And Everybody's telling this guy, you're a good man. And he's saying to himself, am I really good? I need to know if my goodness is good enough to get me into heaven, see? Devils, through his culture, fed him this lie, the same lie they feed us today, that mankind is basically good and that good people deserve everything they have and they deserve to go to heaven. But this guy's heart wasn't letting him believe that. That's why I'm glad this is in the Bible. His heart wasn't lit. You believe that. You believe. I tell you, you do. You believe that people are basically good. Basically good. How many caskets do I stand? Oh, pastor, he was such a good man. She was such a good lady. And we all believe this. And it's a lie. That's what I'm trying to tell you. This is a lie. That is a lie. See, okay, well, we'll get into that, okay? So, so, So this guy comes to Jesus. And he asked, basically, am I good enough? He says, good teacher. He says, good teacher. Am I really good enough? He should have been certain if he were really a good person. He should have known he was going to heaven. Never should have asked that question. Anyway, now get Jesus' logic here. Why do you call me good, Jesus? said, only God is good. He's setting them up, see? He's saying, are you saying that I'm the son of God? Because only God is good. Are you saying I'm God, the son of God? Are you saying I'm the Messiah? Are you saying I'm the Savior? See, he's trying to draw a confession of faith out of this guy. And then Jesus says, okay, go do this, 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 and this. And this rich young guy is frustrated. And he says, all these I have kept. but more do you want? All these I have kept since I was a boy. But in my gut, I don't think it's enough. That's really what this guy was saying. And I like that because I ask people all the time who think they're, they're good enough to earn heaven. I ask them, I've said this many times, how good do you have to be? tell me when you cross that imaginary line where you have do- where you have been good enough where God is now obligated to say to you, oh, my child, you've been good enough. Okay, you made it. Now you're in, see? And this guy felt that in here. I like, I like verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And in love, he put him to the acid test. He said, okay, go do this. Go do this. Sell everything you have. Give the money to the poor. So you have no earthly material thing to lean on. Give it all away. Give it, and then, And then your treasure will really be in heaven. That's the acid test. And then you come and follow me. See, then you come follow me. That's Mark ten twenty one, And you know the story. The guy wasn't there yet, and he went away very sad. I like to think the ending to that story is good. I like to think the Spirit of God is working on his heart because he had a seeking heart. And I like to think it, because we don't know this. We'll never know this, that one day he did come to Christ. Excuse me. Anybody like that here today? You've been taught you can be good enough to go to heaven. You deserve it. You've earned it. You're entitled to it because you're such a good person. And you're not sure. You're not really sure inside. That's the whole. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit calling you into a relationship with, um, with Jesus Christ. Jesus wanted to show this guy there was real wealth, real wealth, in following him. And he could supply more joy than all the stuff in the world. That's what our Lord wanted this guy to see. And if that's you, and you're not really sure about all this talk that you can be good enough to go to heaven, then you're like this guy. You want to know for sure you'll be in heaven. Then at the very least, what you need to do is you need to go home and pray about this and read and reread and reread Marks to 10, 17 to 23, and think about this and just ask God, are you trying to do something inside me? Ask, that, ask God that. So devils want us believing we're good, we worked hard, we deserve, we're entitled, and so we need to ask God, what does the Bible say about this? And all you have to do is read Romans 5. The Bible says Adam sinned and he passed on a sin nature. He passed it on to your grandma and grandpa. He passed it on to your mom and dad. You got it too, man. They passed it on to you. So we're sinners. And it begins with the holiness of God because all sin, all sin is an offense against God. So that's really where it begins. It began with Adam. Blame him. Let's see what the Bible teaches. I mean, you like to believe you are, you are inherently a good person. Um, let's see what the Bible says about that in Ephesians chapter 2. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, where Paul writes, inspired by God. This is the NIV. I love this. He says, as for you. Those are great words to begin Ephesians chapter 2. With. As for you. Now look at this. He's talking about our true nature. You were dead. You were dead in what? Your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when and this is before christ this is before you came to faith in christ in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and you followed the ways of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work and all who are disobedient who's that of course that's the devil all of us also lived among them at one time here's something else we were gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature in following its desires and thoughts and like the rest we were by nature objects of God's wrath." So, before we came to faith, we were dead in sin. I mean, just look at this whole picture. We gratified the desires of our sinful nature. We followed the ruler of the prince of the air, that's Satan, and we gratified the desires of our sinful nature. And we were objects of God's wrath. Now, that's quite a picture, isn't it? Now the next word, this is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. This is probably the greatest word in the whole Bible. God has just given us, through Paul, a very vivid description of our nature and who we were before Christ. And then this word in Ephesians 2.4, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, now listen to what he did, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And then God raised us up with Christ, And He seated us with Christ in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So number one, He raised us from the dead. That's certain death in hell because of our sins. Number two, He made us alive with His Son. And number three, He actually seated us in heaven. That doesn't mean we're seated in heaven right now. But it means one day we will be for certain guaranteed. Your salvation is guaranteed. God did all that despite our sin. Despite the fact that we were dead in sin. I mean, he took me from slavery to myself. Look at this. I was a slave to myself, Ephesians 2.4, Ephesians 2.3, gratifying that the cravings of my sinful nature, everything was all about me. I was an object of God's wrath, and this is what he did. Let me read this again. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in sins. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us in heavenly realms with Him. Does that make anybody want to get up and shout? Yeah. Man, I'll tell you. Thank you, Fa- Thank you, my Father in heaven. Folks, I gotta tell you, I still have that sinful nature that I got from Adam. I still have that. I still have this sinful nature that wants to gratify my flesh. That hasn't changed, but the difference is this. First, God's given all my sins to Jesus Christ, and they will never, ever condemn me. And second, the Father in heaven has put the Holy Spirit in me to fight all that garbage. And I don't have to yield to that anymore. Folks, here's the bottom line. I am anything but good. I deserve. Uh, Here's what I deserve. It says it in Ephesians 2, 3. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of God's wrath. So here's what I deserve. I deserve the wrath of God. That means the eternal wrath of God. That's what I deserve, see? But I got to tell you something. I am what I am. I have what I have. I do what I do only by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God, man. Satan doesn't want you to believe that. Doesn't want you to believe that at all. He wants to believe we're good. He wants us to believe we are entitled. See, this live entitlement. He wants us to believe we deserve. And there's about three or four reasons. There's a hundred reasons he wants us to believe that, but I'm going to go through three, and we may not even get through those. The first is this. If we think we deserve what we have, or deserve eternal life, we'll never be really thankful. Again, if we... Um, If we really believe that we're entitled to what we have and entitled to eternal life, what does that do to Thanksgiving? I forgot the name of this movie, but it was a Hallmark Christmas movie. Remember this? It was a takeoff on Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, The Scrooge in this movie was a lady in her 40s. She had a talk show. She was kind of an Oprah figure. And um, she was just plain mean and she didn't pay the people who made her look good a whole lot. And her personal secretary was the Bob Cratchit in the movie, and she treated she treated her personal secretary like dirt. And then came the three ghosts to Christmas, past, present, and future, and she's transformed, Now all of a sudden she can take her whole staff to Hawaii, and she gives big bones to her personal secretary that she treated like dirt, and she's giving away to all this money to all these charities, and she becomes the queen of TV and all that stuff, see? Well, if you look at the real Christmas Carol written by a very Christian man, Charles Dickens, you're going to see that Scrooge hates Christmas, and he doesn't give... Um, He doesn't want to give Bob Cratchit Christmas Day off. He's tight. He's a penny pincher. And then the ghost of Christmas past shows him what a wretch he's been. The ghost of Christmas present shows him um, Bob Cratchit and his family just thanking God and having a great Christmas with the little stuff that they have. And then the ghost of Christmas future shows him um, where his life is headed if he continues on that path. And and author Charles Dickens' goal is this. And this is what you're not going to see in the media versions. His goal is to let the reader know that somewhere along the path, along the path from Christmas past to Christmas future, Ebenezer Scrooge embraced the Lord Jesus Christ and was so sorry for what he'd been and so grateful that God could take the likes of him. He saw himself in the ghost of Christmas past. He was so grateful that God would take the likes of him and give him life. And so on Christmas morning, he gives the boy on the street enough money to buy the best Christmas goose in London. And it, takes it to Bob Cratchit. And what Dick has wanted to get across to this, when you consider your sins, and when you consider your sins, and when you consider how blessed you are, what you have, how can you not say, thank you, Father? The devil doesn't want you to say that. And how can you not be generous? I mean, you need to ask yourself, I need to ask myself, how generous am I? How tight am I with the bucks? How tight am I with my time and talent? I mean, we need to ask ourselves that. Here's a word, propitiation. Big word, propitiation. 1 John 4.10. He is the propitiation for our sins. That is a difficult word, but it's a great word. Here's how you understand propitiation. You've got to picture a giant bucket in the sky. There is a giant bucket in the sky, and in that bucket, all God's wrath is righteous, holy, and just wrath against sin, including our sins. So you've got this bucket in the sky, and down there, hand on the cross, is his son Jesus. And this bucket begins to tip. And all that wrath begins to pour out of that bucket and just stream down on Jesus, his holy, innocent son. And you look at that bucket. It's almost empty. Drip, drip, drip. And there's no more drips. The bucket's empty. He emptied. He exhausted his wrath on his own beloved son, not on you and me. Man, when you understand propitiation, that Christ saved you from that, man, from God's wrath. That now because of him, when you trust Christ for salvation, you're in God's favor. God the Father in heaven delights in you and gives you every good thing. When you understand that, man, how can you hold on to stuff? How can you hold on to it? A truly thankful heart will lead you to loosen your grip on things. Christ taking the Father's wrath to the last drop, the innocent, sinless Christ, I might add. And because of that, God gives me a house and health and family and a job and everything. And I can't hoard it. And the devil wants you to hoard it. That's why this lie. How about this? Do you like to complain? Every time you complain, what are you doing? You're concentrating on what you don't have. And what God hasn't done for you and what God hasn't given you. Each time you want to complain about what your husband doesn't do for you or what your wife does do to you or what you don't have or what's not happening, let a red light go off in your head. Again, when you want to focus on what you don't have, what's not happening, all this, let a red light go off in your head. And I mean a blinking red light that signals danger. Because at this time, see, at at that point in time, I mean, you you, you can go one of two directions. You can choose the negative approach and focus on what you don't have, or you can choose the positive approach and focus on what is happening and the good things that are happening and what you do have, and that you don't deserve any of it. I mean, you have that choice. See, devils want you thankless. They want you to complain. They want you to say, I'm entitled to this, and I don't have it. Then you're not thankful. Because when you're thankful, I'm telling you something, when you are thankful, you will not complain. Let me say that again. When you are thankful, you will not complain. This is Philippians 2. Just listen to this. This is so good, and I didn't write this, God did. Philippians 2, verse 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Let me say that again. Do everything without complaining or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars because you don't complain and you hold out the word of life. See? See, when you don't complain, what do you do? You shine like stars in a crooked and depraved generation. Crooked and depraved is the way the word of God describes a generation that loves to complain about all the stuff that's not happening. And I worked hard and I sacrificed so much. What's God call that? A crooked and depraved generation, see? And um, you're a light to that generation. Instead of complaining, you hold out the word of life, see? That's what I mean. When you're thankful, you defeat devils because devils want you thankless. They want you complaining. This whole entitlement thing also distorts grace. Devils eat that up, man. Back to Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, verse 3. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature objects of God's wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Now listen, it is by grace that you have been saved. You are saved by grace. What's grace? Divine enablement. Grace is divine enablement. Why are you going to heaven? You're going to heaven because you believe that 4,000 years ago, a man who is also God at the same time died by the death of Roman crucifixion, and thus saved you from the condemnation of your sins. And because you believe that, because you believe that, you are going to heaven. See, that makes no sense to an unsaved world. I mean, why would you go to heaven because of the death of a man who died in the cross 4,000 years ago? You know what the world says today? The world says, the "World says, I got a friend who's a single mom and she's got to work two jobs just to make a house payment, take care of her kids. And so every Thursday afternoon, I stop by and I pick those two kids up for soccer and I take care of them and I take them out to dinner and I take them home from soccer and all that other stuff. And because of that, I'm going to heaven, see? That's why I'm going to heaven. But you accept this truth, that salvation comes when you believe that a man, a God-man, died in your place. And that's why you're going to heaven. Now, why do you believe that? See, because God the Holy Spirit caused you to believe it. God the Holy Spirit did something in your heart to enable you to believe that nonsense. Nonsense to the rest of the world. And you say it's true. I believe it. That's why I'm going to heaven. That is divine enablement. That's the meaning of grace. You are saved by grace. God the Holy Spirit worked in your heart and enabled you to believe that truth. Grace is also grace from the moment. When I thought about that, I thought about Larry, and that's really his name. Larry had this presentation in the Hummer Division of General Motors in Fort Wayne. And at the same time, his dad was barely hanging on to life. And the family expected, they expected dad to die at any time. And so what Larry would do is he'd spend half his time getting ready for this big two-day presentation he had. And he'd spend the other half of his time with his dad. And he said to me one time, he's getting a little bit nervous. He said, man, this is the biggest thing I ever did with my life, this presentation. Down in Fort Wayne to Hummer. He said, this biggest thing I ever did. He said, this could take, this could send my career flying. And what if dad dies? at the very same time see the what if question he said what am i going to do and here's what i said to larry i said if that should happen and it was a real possibility god's going to give you the grace to get through that circumstance he'll give you what you need at the moment he won't give it to you before you need that so quit worrying when you need it the grace will be there do you believe that when you need it the grace will be there not before not after but god will give it to you at the right time see now here's where this is going if you feel that you deserve heaven And you don't understand it's all grace, divine enablement, and you can't receive the gift of salvation, then you won't receive um, grace or enablement for any other area of your life either, man. And you're always going to be asking the what if questions what if, what if, what if the job doesn't last? What if he leaves me? What if mom dies? What if dad dies? Larry said. What if it's cancer? constant worry. Now, now, do you see why the devil gives us this lie of entitlement? I mean, look at, I mean, you, it makes us complaining, it makes us thankless, it makes us worry and ask all of our what-ifs. I mean, let's say you're not a believer, and you go out with a Christian couple, and they're, and they're Christian, they're very Christian. You go out to Longhorn Steakhouse with this Christian couple, and you're not Christians, okay, and they, and they start with all their what-ifs. And then and see, 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 devils love that. Devils just love you right there with all your what-ifs. I said last week, the story of my life is a story of answered prayer. I could put my life in this category, too. It's a life of grace for the moment. I can say this honestly. Whatever situation has come into my life that demanded something extra, wisdom, endurance, the grace, the divine enablement was always there. It's always been there for this church. It's always been there. It's always been there, see? And just just the last thought. People who have this entitlement feeling, this this entitlement philosophy of life, they believe the devil's lie, this I deserve mentality, this everybody's good mentality, everybody's inherently good. You know, they tend to um, wait for somebody to sit back and wait for somebody to do something for them. Serve me, see? I'm worthy serve me. I'm worthy. I'm entitled. To them, Paul says this, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Galatians 6, 7. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows, and the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that sinful nature will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. What's the principle? You reap what you sow. You, re- you you get back what you put in. See, I'll tell you something. You discover your husband or wife's love language, and you do what you have to to fill their love tank, and you will reap the rewards. I mean, you will reap what you sow. I mean, you go to work with a great attitude, and you start looking for the good in the people you work with, and you start pointing out the good in the people you work with, and guess what, man? You're going to love going to work, okay? I mean, you'll get back what you put into it. I I mean, let's say if you put real real time into studying the word of God and you really want to connect with the heart of God and you don't just read the word, you study the word and you think it through and you you take those principles that you read in the morning and you apply them to your life throughout the day and you're going to see these things work. I mean, it is going to get so good that you will cut that slice of time out for God every single day, but you're going to get out of it what you put into it. That's all of life. You're going to get out what you put in. You will reap what you sow. And the devil wants you to think, no, 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 I'm entitled. I deserve. And you sit back and let everybody serve you. See, today we've seen the devil's subtle lie that sounds so good. And that is the lie of entitlement. I deserve. Man is basically good or inherently good. We've seen this rich guy. People probably told him, I mean, you're so good. But in here, he knew he wasn't good. We've seen Ephesians 2, our real condition, dead in sin, going after our sinful cravings, you know, um, under the wrath of God, see? And then that great word, but, Ephesians 2, 4, but because of his great love for us, we are this and this and this. We've seen how this entitlement thinking can smother thanksgiving. But when we realize how unworthy of God's goodness we are because of sin, that he blesses us anyway, despite our sin, We thank Him for everything. Then we can be giving and generous. We won't complain, shine like lights in a dark complaining world. And we've seen how entitlement clouds grace, divine enablements, all our what ifs. And we've seen that the world does not owe us a living hand. We reap exactly what we sow. And I just pray that these words are a blessing in your life.
0: Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School. 22505 26 Mile Road just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.